for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints in Jesus the Christ. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Please be seated. In, you know, kind of centering in on verse 4, right at the end, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. This glorious salvation. And the center words, in love. When we had, during communion, they were playing that song, the, how, how great is this mighty, matchless love of God. The salvation's available. And he calls it the glorious grace to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. He says this three times in the opening preamble. Some of the most wonderful literature in the Bible is one, it's a run-on sentence, verses 3 through 14. And it's all about this fantastic opportunity we have, uh, as he calls it there in verse 3, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We light the candle of hope. That is our hope. That in the heavenly places we have every spiritual blessing in Christ through his work. He is worthy. He is the Savior. He died for our sins. He rose again in victory in him. It says over and over in this text of Scripture. 
and he's going somewhere with this. It, it turns out history is not just a big cycle, but it's, it's linear. It's going to the direction where God has it going. The, the goal, uh, as we said uh, in communion, that we, we eat the bread and drink the cup and we proclaim the Lord's death. It's like, what? He's dead. We just proclaimed him dead. But he's alive. And he's coming back. He's coming back. And it's, uh, and we, ju- we didn't, I, you know, I've, I try to do my best and it's a poor semblance of what would be good. But uh, like verse, in other words, I feel like I hardly touched on it. Nine, verses nine and ten. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is God's plan to bring it all together in Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, the Lord of heaven and earth. And it will all be making sense and in his beautiful working to be his uh, amazing his kingdom forever. And so when we come into verse 15, we really gotta we really have to pick up on the, the joy of the Apostle Paul. That's where we're going with this. He's so thankful. He says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks. Now, you know, we, we kind of read that as I do not cease to give thanks. Listen to what those words are saying. This guy is always thinking of the Ephesians, and he's so thankful for them. You know, what, he's, what joy he has from his relationship with them. He's so relieved and grateful that they're following in the faith. I do not cease to give thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. We're only going to look at uh, verse 15 and 16 today um, because the content of his prayer is is so marvelous. We'll get into that, uh, Lord willing, next week. But there's this lovely three things that I have on the screen here, lovely in the scripture, and the key scripture on it is is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Now there remain three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, you know, this is a beautiful thing. This this is un- unique to Christianity that we believe that the God who has personally created the heavens and the earth came as a person, a human being, in the flesh to die for our sins. And he did this to restore us to relationship to him directly. And that he indwells the believer, the Holy Spirit indwells it. And through this direct interpersonal connection, we cry, Abba, Father. And that's one song, Father, the words should have been on the screen, hold me, hold me. That's what John was singing. That's, we believe that the God of the universe is not, oh, I once asked a chaplain who 
explains a very strange instrument at the hospital. Uh, she had she had the this weird squiggly thing on to taste of, of that wonderful instrument. I don't know what it was. Um, I had no problem with the instrument, right? <laughs> but I said, well, what is that squiggly thing there? And she says, well, that's ohm. I said, oh, okay, I've heard of ohm. Well, wh what's that about? Well, ohm is the sound of the universe creating itself. And I said, oh, <laughs> okay then. <laughs> I'd like to see that, <laughs> you know? Listen to the sound of this remote creating itself. Okay, this is absurdity, by the way. <laughs> the universe does not create itself, and at the center of the universe is not an impersonal force, a yin and a yang. No, it's, a, it's God who loves, who thinks, who plans and executes, does his plan. Uh, that's the joy here of this amazing God. Um, so how did I get down that alleyway? I don't know, it's a great alleyway, but let's just go back to where we are here. <laughs> First Corinthians 50, 15, the greatest of these is love. That's where I got. I just love that. The pulsating center of our faith is God who loved. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. He predestined us to be adopted to himself, it says. Uh, that is the center of our faith. So there's three, these three words describe greatly our faith. Faith, love, and then hope in the middle. We, I'm borrowing that from verse 18. You can see having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? So Paul's happy. He's thankful. He's, uh, he, he says, I, I just can't cease to give thanks for you. I, I'm very thankful to see that my efforts, which were very diligent, brought fruit. They brought results. This is what makes me happy. Jo John, the apostle, said, some of you know this verse. I have no greater joy than what? Hearing that the 49ers are winning. No, no. <laughs> no, no. No, somehow it doesn't matter at all. You know, all those other little things going on. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth or in the Lord or something that goes along with that. I have no greater joy than this. Uh, that is the best thing ever. When the people we love, and he meant children, not his physical children, uh, but those children in the faith who are walking in the truth. So we have a joyful apostle. We have a joyful John the apostle. What brings this joy to the apostle's heart? Uh, and he says, I have heard of your faith. And he had spent a long time there, and he got reports back that the faith is there. It's still growing. I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints. So I want to expand on that, uh, think about that a little bit. What, what is the content of that faith in the Lord Jesus? And how is that reflected in what we teach and believe and, and even how we worship and perhaps even the room in which we worship? How is that reflected uh, in all of these things? 
you go back to um, the Old Testament, and we, we believed wholeheartedly that uh, there's one God who has revealed himself in 66 books. Um, we're not a New Testament church. We're a Bible church. <laughs> that used to be a thing back in the 70s to call yourself a New Testament church in the 50s and 60s, which it, they meant well by that. But then it got to be thinking, well, okay, then we don't need the Old Testament, right? <laughs> no, no, no. God has given it to us to know who he is. And I'm, what I'm focusing on is, and it's very well known, be strong in the Lord from uh, Joshua 1, 8, etc. He says it three times in that text. This is the core of what makes Paul excited about the followers of Jesus is they're strong in the Lord. Uh, again, the expression directly is, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. That language is specifically chosen, and it's, it's filled with meaning. Who is Jesus? He's the Lord. We sang a song that said, Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, Jesus is the King of kings, uh, the Lord of lords. He's the one who is the creator God. He's equal with the Father, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, this is Jesus, and they, uh, they have faith in Jesus. They have confidence in Jesus. There are several ways to think about this. This is the gospel. You have faith in Jesus Christ. Good friends, seriously, I've done a, a ton, a, a metric ton <laughs> of counseling and visiting. Uh, I, I was a full-time hospital chaplain for over 13 years. And then I came here uh, and I've been here 22 years, and about 20 of the 22 years I've been here, I've volunteered at the community hospital uh, once, a, like once a month for three days. And as a result of that, I have this awesome privilege of being with people who might be quite sick. Uh, you know, some percentage of them are approaching death. And I'm there as the chaplain, and of course we're going to talk about life and death and heaven and hell. It's kind of the, that's my bivouac. That's what I'm here for. You know, I want to, I want to shoot the breeze with you. That's fine too. But ultimately my agenda, and it's sometimes a hidden agenda, is that I want to talk about Jesus Christ, <laughs> the Savior, and how you can be saved. And what the saddest thing ever are people in that situation. And you ask them about their, their, their faith and their security about their future, and what you, you, I could tell by the first few things that come out of their mouth, I think I've lived a good life. I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm going to make it. And of course, I know that's you don't know the gospel. Now, I don't say it that way, but you know, you don't know the gospel because it's faith not in you. It's faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord. In theology, we call this solus Christus. Again, going back to Latin, it's only Christ. And really, dear friends, don't leave this room thinking that the right answer is, if I die now, I hope I've been good enough. Please don't do that. Why? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not insulting you, but you aren't good enough. You cannot possibly be good enough. Christ is good enough. He's, he's perfect. The spotless Lamb of God died 
for you. And so Paul is thankful that they have faith in the Lord Jesus, in, in their culture, which had so many competitive spiritual voices. This was a culture that was rich. Ephesus was known as a religious city. They had a huge temple over there to Diana, a big money-making thing. Everybody comes there for that reason. And the church, they don't have any faith in those Greco-Roman gods anymore. They've repented of all that. They're not trying to mix it into their faith. Like Jesus plus. Disney plus. No, no, no. No, no, it's Jesus alone, sola, Christus, only Christ. And you know why this is uh, awesome? This is one of the solas of, of the Great Reformation, you know, that began 1517. Because the church, Christendom, had started just dragging in all this other stuff. I had the great privilege in May to visit uh, to visit St. Peter's Basilica. I've mentioned it once in a while in Rome. It's, it's beautiful in a glorious artistic way. But really, you go in there and it's, it's like, where is Jesus? Where's the gospel? It's so layered. It's so covered up. It's, it's almost impossible to find. The front of the thing is the throne of Peter. You find the... The Piete, oh, oh, way over here in the corner. <laughs> but, you know, Christ being held by Mary, which never happened, but, you know, it's all right. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying Paul is thankful that they have faith in the Lord Jesus. Our society says this, believe yourself. Trust you. Trust your heart. Follow your heart. And I just want to say, you know, no, no, that's not the gospel either. It's trust Jesus and Jesus alone. I love this, this psalm. This is one of my favorite psalms. It's in my top 150 psalms. Um, <laughs> there's 150 psalms, by the way. I used to use this in the hospital a whole lot. In fact, I had this beautiful little uh, folder that came out from the American Bible Society. It had this on it, and I was in Silicon Valley. And on a clear day, on like the fourth, day of the ho- fourth floor of the hospital, you could look out the windows and see the hills. So I'd use this first. I lift up to my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? You could print at the top. I think the feeling there is, wow, I'm here in the valley, the valley of vision. I can see from here. I can see the mountains, but I feel kind of isolated from those cold, rocky crags. You know, where's God? Where is he? I'm here. There's a mountain over there. What's the deal? And the psalm says, my help comes from the Lord, from Yahweh. Who, well, who is he? Oh, he's just the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> Have faith in the Lord Jesus. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He, he can change the molecules. He sustains the molecules. This is, this is uh, it's massive. It's big. It's uh, the whole thing. That's who Jesus is. So we have faith in him. That's why Paul's so happy. And so you feel you're getting it. You're maintaining it. You have to maintain it. It's often deluded and wrong. But we have to keep coming back to Jesus. Here's another thing. Our, our, you hear this? Our society says this all the time. 
is supposed to be really, really assuring, reassuring. You are enough. You are enough. Now, I, I do agree that you've got to have some, you know, you know self-confidence and assurance. Um, but the question is, upon what do you base that confidence? Upon what do you base that assurance? Because really, Paul isn't saying to them, I'm so thankful that you have faith in yourself. You know, really, that's not going to be adequate. That's, it's going to fall apart. It's this. No, not you, but Jesus is enough. That's why he's so excited. That's the core of the gospel. We have no faith in anyone else, no faith in ourselves, no clouding up the waters with Jesus needing a whole host of assistants. He doesn't need an associate pastor. <laughs> he doesn't need any human beings. The Bible says that. He doesn't live in temples. He doesn't need anything that we could possibly provide. He's fully capable. But by his grace, he calls us to serve him and to be a part of his team anyway. Uh, but don't, don't think we have a needy God who's sitting around saying, oh, I just hope, I just hope somebody helps me. No. And that, it, it clearly doesn't apply to our salvation. He doesn't need, you know, assistance. We don't, we don't pray to anyone else. We don't come to anything else. We don't make a side trip over here and let's worship at this statue for a little while. You know, no, that's blasphemous. Paul is not saying, I'm so thankful uh, that you have faith in the Lord Jesus and the Virgin Mary, for example. Or, uh, you know, and St. Christopher who hasn't been born yet, or hasn't died yet. <laughs> but that's the point. You know, it, another way to look at it. I, I'm not getting overexcited about this. This is the, the core of what we believe. Uh, another way to look at it is this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. There's this glorious dependence on Jesus. We're called to trust him. Uh, Paul's saying, I'm so thankful because you guys are equipped for the challenging life, uh, the difficult life, which is your life. And the more we trust in Jesus Christ, the more we know him and trust in him, we'll be able to have this kind of confidence. This is confidence. Paul says it. Uh, here, here's another one I like. I didn't put it on the screen, but um, it's in uh, 2 Corinthians 3.5. I, I love this because it's actually directed toward ministers or like teachers, Bible teachers. Uh, and, but it certainly applies to all Christians whenever we're trying to reach somebody for Jesus Christ. You know, we're coming into our Christmas time. Some of you will be with family who doesn't know the Lord Jesus. You might be wondering, what can I say? What can I do? And the Lord will give you little tiny opportunities to witness, I hope. But you aren't sufficient for it. You can't do the job. Okay, well, that's, that's okay. Here's 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. The New American Standard Bible, which is a great version, has the word adequacy. Is anybody holding that? Yeah, that's true, right? Adequacy. Our adequacy. I just love that because it's saying, I'm inadequate. Is that okay? <laughs> and, and Paul says, yes, because that's when we, we know where the power really comes from. 
our adequacy, our sufficiency, what makes us enough is only God himself. And that's the Christian gospel, you see. Another way to put it uh, is, there's, is baptism. Um, well, I want to talk about peace for a second. <laughs> um, this, see, the goal of this teaching is peace, is trust, is you take a breath. You're not responsible for all of this. You trust in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Uh, he is working. He will do it. You have faith in the Lord Jesus. He's adequate. He's fully adequate. And he is my Savior. And so the goal is peace. Yeah, this, I wanted to use baptism again. I talked about baptism the other week because the Holy Spirit, this, this scripture says, he baptizes us into Christ. And what's the symbolism there? It's the idea of, of being exclusive, only into Christ, and full. I'm, I'm not holding anything back. I'm completely identified with Jesus Christ. I'm, you know, we, we believe that there's immersion. You're, you're dunked, fully identified with the water. Um, and so the verse is, this is from Galatians. I can't read it, but it's Galatians 4.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So that is the key. Our salvation uh, is symbolized by water baptism. Our actual spiritual baptism is symbolized by water baptism, which is a complete surrender to Jesus and complete trust. I have confidence in Christ and in Christ alone. And I turn away from all other trusts and I trust in him alone. So Paul is so thankful. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you because of your faith in the Lord Jesus. And then in the last few minutes, let's look at the second part of this. Remember the, the three things, faith, hope, and love. Look what he says about love. And your love toward all the saints. The great transition verse in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. We believe that in love he predestined us to be adopted as sons. Um, we have these spiritual blessings reserved for us, an inheritance in heaven. But all, all of that is wonderful, and we should have faith in Jesus Christ, and we should know who he is. We should have our theology correct and, and our actual practical trust in him completely intact and you know, functioning super well. But that needs to show in the exterior, too. It needs to come out. And Paul is saying, I'm glad that you see a balance here between really good actual faith theology, but also real practical love for all the saints. And it's particular that he says all the saints because uh, in, in Ephesus, the culture was actually similar to ours. We, we live in still kind of a Greco-Roman culture. There was uh, a lot of mixing, a lot of you know, different races. There was different economic levels, of course. And there were, was a profound difference in cultural background between Jew and Gentile mixing in the church. 
And in fact, that's one of the themes of the book of Ephesus. I mean, the book of Ephesians uh, is this unity in Christ of the Jews and the Greeks. The church is one new man. The, the verse will tell us as we get to it later. And I think it kind of relates, <laughs> kind of relates, no, fully full-on related as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So Paul's saying, I'm very thankful for your faith in the Lord Jesus, but also your actual practical love for all the saints. And if we really believe he's loved us in all of our warts and insufficiencies and sins, and moral depravity, and he's forgiven us, and we were hard to love, we were enemies of God when he reached us, then we should have that kind of love for each other too. Not exclusive. Here, here's uh, James. This was a very big problem. Honestly, it was the very first big problem the church faced. The division between Jews and Greeks. In the book of Acts, they were collecting all this money from the saints. They didn't have social security. And before, the uh, retired folks were getting their pension, essentially, from the synagogue. But they were baptized into Christ, so they left the synagogue. So the church had to take over that whole social welfare system. And unfortunately, literal cultural, perhaps racism, entered into the equation right away. Because the Greek Jews, not the, the Greek Christians were, uh, and some of them Greek, Greco Jews, by the way, too, but anyway, they, they weren't feeling like they were getting their fair share. The, the, the Hebrew widows and such were getting, you know, more than the Greeks. It was a racial issue. Isn't that wild? Um, so the apostle said, that's when we came up with deacons. We get some really godly, wise men most of whom were Greeks, by the way, <laughs> to solve this problem. Uh, you guys take care of this thing because we have to be unified. We, we come from different backgrounds. We'll have different opinions. We'll have different cultural expressions. expressions. <laughs> Some people would say, I like the Christmas tree. I have a brother-in-law who believes the Christmas tree is sin. He had 13 kids. All 13 of his kids now have Christmas trees. <laughs> They're all adults. <laughs> Pagans! <laughs> uh, what am I saying? Cultural diversity. It's real. And we have to work hard to love each other through it and not be intolerant. And here's what James said. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Let's get in more into the glory of God, the glorious grace. We're saved by grace. And, you know, let's not argue over, well, I like the King James Version better. Um, these little cultural alleyways that are a distraction. Um, there, here's, a, here's the thing of partiality, you know. I like orange fish, but you... you green ones, no no time for you. Uh, let's, and this is honestly, it's a part of our, our broken sin nature, tribalism. We, we will have the us's and the them's. And 
sometimes a church like ours can err on that because we we really believe we're doing our best to mine the truth of Scripture. We are the pillar and buttress of the truth, the Bible says. And that kind of feels like kind of good. Like maybe we're maybe we're a little better than that guy over there, you know, right? And we can start thinking, wow, we're special, we're unique, and we can start to show partiality. And uh, this would be sinful and wrong. And that's why Paul says, love for all the saints. All the saints. Let us be careful with that. So we end with this. Why is Paul so excited? Because they have that beautiful balance. They're working on the balance. See, the other side of the spectrum is we're super loving and we don't care about faith in the Lord Jesus. (laughs) We're just all about love and we affirm this and affirm that and everything's fine. There's no no discernment. There's no revelation of God. There's no theology. You make it up as you go along. You see, that's obviously the wrong thing too. You have to have a balance of faith in the Lord Jesus, and love for all the saints. And let's strive to please the Apostle and our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this little introduction to Paul's prayer for his dear friends whom he loves so much, the Ephesians. And Lord, thank you for their balance of faith in the Lord Jesus and love for all the saints. We pray for that in our own lives, that we will be growing more and more in in knowledge and understanding of Jesus and growing more and more in our practical love. Thank you, Lord, that we do see that. I I see that as a pastor of this church, a, a real faith in the Lord Jesus and a real love for all the saints. It's so wonderful to have known as a truthful and loving church. Lord, we pray that this would continue to grow for your glory. We celebrate your goodness on this first Sunday of Advent, Sunday of hope.